0: So this is Palm Sunday, um, and this being Palm Sunday, uh, I thought we would take a look this morning at the account of, I know it was, wasn't was that long ago that we actually um, went through in um, Mark, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but I thought we would take a look at it from uh, the account in Luke this morning, uh, so that we could get into uh, some things that Luke shares with regard to what Jesus did as he entered the city uh, that, uh, that we don't find as detailed in the other accounts. Uh, so so this is the beginning of the week prior to Easter. A lot took place during this week in Jesus' life. Um, on Sunday, it was his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, um, it's it's traditionally accepted that on Monday he cleansed the temple of the money changers yet again. Uh, on Tuesday he dealt with controversies with the Jewish leaders. On Wednesday was apparently a day of rest. Thursday was a preparation for Passover. Friday was a trial and the crucifixion. Saturday Jesus rested in the tomb. And on Sunday Jesus was raised from the dead. So we will be in... Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28 this morning, as we read about Jesus' triumphal entry and what occurred on that palm Sunday. <coughs> Excuse me. Jamie, you made me cough. Um, yeah, I was that was it was like somebody pushed a button and we both went <coughs> <Yeah. laughs> So this morning, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and and start to get into that, and as we read through it, we'll stop and discuss as we always do, and uh, just talk about what's taking place. So so let's 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 frame this just a little bit, and and remember that up until this point, for the most part, Jesus had downplayed his ministry. For the most part, he had done everything he could to not draw extra attention to what he was doing. I mean, crowds gathered, but he would typically take off. You know, he was, he was not entering into cities with pomp and circumstance. He wasn't coming in in a way that, that would uh, cause people to think that, 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 he, that, that he was who he is. And uh, as such, this is the first time that we see him take that step. And so in verse 28, it says... The Lord has need of it. Verse 32, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So we have this account here of Jesus coming in, making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we've discussed it before, but but why, why is it at this point, at this stage of his ministry, is it time to, to draw all of this attention to himself. What's the purpose in, in, in flipping that switch, if you will, and starting to really get the uh, the the Jewish leaders riled up? Not that they weren't already riled up, but this is this right here. It's foretold in the Old Testament. It's, it's foretold in the Old Testament. So 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 number one he is he is fulfilling prophecy without a doubt number 1 he's fulfilling prophecy the the second point that i want to make is that this begins what is about to take place this is where they they get pushed over the edge this is where they get pushed over the edge to the point to say we have to we have to get rid of this jesus look at at everything he is stirring up look at how they are worshiping him essentially their power was at stake and we've talked about that repeatedly in here that 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 the jewish leaders their concern was not for the truth their concern was not to discover who jesus really is their concern was simply to remain in power and once you start seeing people give this much credence to someone who has come into town and they start praising him and they start seeing seeing things like like you know, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Suddenly, the religious leaders of that day have something to worry about, and it's a big deal. And so, that also essentially is fulfilling prophecy because it's it's time to push them over the edge. It's time to start everything into motion that's going to lead up to the crucifixion that's coming up on Friday, and it's going to lead to his glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday and so there's there's a whole purpose to what's going on here and it also you know clues us in some more as to why all the all the times leading up to this event we didn't see Jesus trying to draw this attention to himself because it was a timing thing it was this was how god had ordained it to come about and it was working just as <clears throat> excuse me just as it was supposed to <clears throat> And so he has, he has come in and he has let them know that even if this didn't happen, I'm not going to rebuke these disciples. Even if this didn't happen, the very stones would cry out. But next, verse 41 talks about something that we don't, we don't see detailed in the other accounts of this day. Verse 40, 41, we find Jesus starting to weep over Jerusalem. you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. What does that mean? What's he saying? We know he's weeping. We know he's talking about Jerusalem. And he's, he's lamenting the fact that Jerusalem has just completely missed it. Jerusalem has completely, completely missed what they were supposed to have seen. And judgment has already been decided upon. Now, it's going to take another 40 years before they see it and before they fully experience what's coming. But Jesus is weeping about this. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Because to me, that is so important. It, this kind of works into some of the message I'm going to have this morning. But when our attitude toward those who turn their back on God, and when our attitude toward, toward certain events becomes callous, and we lose the ability to weep and to be moved by the fact that lives are lost, that souls are lost, we're missing it. As Christians, I think it's easy for us to look at Jerusalem and say, you got what you're getting what you deserved. And even though Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, you're gonna get what you deserve, he wept over it. He was moved to tears over what was about to come. So let me ask this question. And again, this is gonna tie a little bit into the message this morning, but the overlap is here. And unfortunately, I didn't see it until now, but I'm gonna go there anyway. Um, This past week, when we had a shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, yet another one. Almost every conversation and every discussion that we hear mentions the loss of three adults and three children. The loss of the shooter's life tends to be an add-on or an afterthought or mentioned separately. I would say to you that every one of those lives, including the life of the shooter, was just as precious to God as the other one was. And that God's weeping and and mourning the loss of every one of those people. But I would also present to you that chances are, most of us look at the shooter and go, you got what you deserved. And I ask you this morning, is that the right view from a Christian perspective when we think about the life that it was lost? And then I can flip it around on you and say, should we not rejoice in the fact that God saw fit to put an end to the, the, to the, to the event that way? What do you think? Crying on you a little bit. There's gotta be thoughts out there. Jamie's got thoughts. He just don't want to say them. I need, I need more caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little more monster to drink? <laughs> no, it's empty. <laughs> but I think about Jesus weeping for Jerusalem, and he's talking about what's about to happen, and he's weeping for the judgment that's come upon them. <clears throat> I think that speaks volumes for how God looks at the punishment that that they're about to face, and I think it I think it speaks volume to how uh, to how we should be approaching events like this that occur on Earth. And I was just looking for some for some feedback on it. Is he is he talking in his message
1: there? This kind of speaks in riddles. Yes. Yes i'm trying to say is, is is he viewing it kind of like what, well,
0: like you were on a movie where you know it's like oh my god they can reconnect with their family right now but they're not you know it's not gonna happen. you know it's not gonna happen it's gonna go down
1: you've seen the movie a hundred times but you're still looking at it like oh if you only me to do it right now that
0: I, I, that's yeah i think that's a pretty that's a pretty good way to put this
1: and, and he's, and he's, uh, is he talking about him so he knows what's coming this week and he knows right now you have peace you have
0: and they're saying the right things. well I don't know that they how much peace they had with Rome that, but yeah you know,
1: they're peacefully rejoicing in peace oh yeah. Uh, in the
0: Pharisees. Yes.
1: And, and they're saying the right things and the Pharisees are rebuking them because they're saying the right things and he's like you got it. But,
0: but but as a whole as a whole the nation mm-hmm. is not going to do the right thing. They're just not they're 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 going to miss out completely on the fact that that god is is with them they're not going to turn to him they're not going to worship him they're they're not going to do any of the things that. essentially they're caught in that same cycle um and, and and keep in mind something here right again we've talked about this a bunch but these are people even the people who are currently worshiping him right now and saying blessed is he who comes those people expect something completely different than what is about to come. They all have their minds made up, I'm I'm sure most of them, if not all of them, (coughs) have their minds made up that Jesus is going to establish this new kingdom right there in Jerusalem. He's going to run the Romans out. It's going to be the end of their persecution and life is just going to get better.
1: I think some of them are also going to be saying free Barabbas.
0: I think that's a very very good possibility. Screaming the
2: for his death the, the very, next
0: Friday. very next Friday and there are <coughs> excuse me there are those who argue that the people who were, were saying hosanna the people who were screaming crucify him were probably not the same people. I, I don't know that we can make that make that assumption. I think that that is, it's a good possibility that a lot of them were the same people. Because what's the first thing that we see in in all of these accounts that Jesus does (coughs) after entering into Jerusalem triumphantly? He doesn't go to to the Roman leaders. He doesn't go to try and overthrow Rome and get them. He goes to the temple. And he's about to pass judgment on the money changers in the temple and cleanse the temple yet again to make a point not to the Romans but to the Jewish leaders and it and it's got to set people back because their expectations are not being met they believe one thing Jesus is starting to do another and they got to be scratching their heads going well wait a minute aren't you supposed to 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 get rid of the Romans and, and make our lives easy don't aren't you so instead, he goes into the, into the temple and, and he, <clears throat> he approaches the money changers <coughs> who are taking advantage of all the folks who have traveled there for the Passover. <coughs> and they're, you know, they're, they're ripping them off when it comes to, to, to exchanging their money. They are overcharging them when it comes to purchasing uh, animals for sacrifice. And they're there to provide a service, a, a legitimate service, which could have been handled in a way that was not sinful, but they're taking advantage of people. And when you take advantage of people, you're thieves. And so it's, it's one thing to be there and provide a service and to do well by others. It's another thing to do it the way they were doing it. And it's funny they didn't learn their lesson the first time. And so Jesus is back again now, not at the beginning of his ministry, but at the end of his ministry to kind of put a cap on things again and say, all right, I'm throwing you out of here. And you're going to understand that my house shall be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. Yes, Mary. Do you remember when we studied Nehemiah?
3: I think it's in Nehemiah. And they have, they just rebuilt the temple and you have the older generation <coughs> and they have the, that never the old temple, and they are like full of joy and optimism. Like I see that kind of going on here, where you have the people full of joy and optimism of what Jesus might do, which he's not going to do over for the Romans,
0: and you have Jesus leaving because he knows that they don't get it. In the future. Yeah. You know? Yep. He can, he sees it all and he knows what's about to happen and he knows what's going to come in, in the form of judgment because of their decisions. Yeah, what a contrast, Now, huh? That is interesting, isn't that? And, and I love the way you frame that, that, that while all of these people are rejoicing, Jesus is weeping. Yeah. Jesus is weeping. So it... <coughs> excuse me. Of course, in this, this account, we don't we don't see um, the, uh, the description of what takes place with the fig tree. But he goes on in the, uh, the other accounts that we've studied to approach the fig tree that has leaves but no fruit and to cause the fig tree to wither. And, and we look at that and say, well, this is another example of Israel. You, you look one way, but you're really another I love how the scriptures tell us that he was hungry so he approaches the fig tree has leaves on it if you see leaves that should be an indicator on a fig tree that there's going to be fruit there and when you arrive and you find no fruit you say well you deceptive little plant and so jesus uses as a teaching moment for his disciples to say you got to bear fruit folks if you look one way and you're not bearing fruit you're deceptive and that's not how it works beginning of the first week of Passover, they were gathering, instead of them thinking about the
3: people, they were thinking about how much money they could bring in. And he causes the priests to look in their mirror and see what they were really like. And as as they look, I'm
1: sure they weren't pleased, but they knew from the Old Testament what
0: they were supposed to do. They shouldn't be trying to line their pocket. No. Yeah. That was the early. The no, and the high priest was behind all of it. Yeah. The prosperity preachers. Yeah. They were. Yeah. <laughs> they were <not> <laughs> you are correct. Yeah, they were the, the prosperity preachers of the day. Um, there's, you know, it's it, it's it, things, e- everything old is new again, even the things that we wish would go away. You know, they keep, they keep coming back. Um, that's why the, the the more we read, the deeper we dig, the better we get. We start to understand uh, that that uh, what well, is Ecclesiastes is right. There is nothing new under the sun. We'll we'll continue to experience these things as we move forward.
3: You know, you were talking about how it's interesting how Jesus went after the religious leaders rather than approaching the Romans or the ungodly, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's a scripture that says, whom much is given, much is required. Um, and so, you know, we were talking about Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, and then it goes into him plenty of going into the temple. It's almost like, you know, Jerusalem, you are in such a mess, and I'm holding your religious leaders accountable for that. I mean, here's my chosen people, should know
0: better. Who should know better? You're
3: the ones who
0: know I mean yes really had to memorize the first you know the books of the law.
3: I mean they knew this stuff by heart. They knew the prophecies. So it's almost like you are the ones you know these the Romans, the whoever they're they're clueless. They don't have the advantage that you all have. You're the ones that should know and recognize and I'm holding you accountable yeah. For the mess that Jerusalem
1: is in. He came. I mean, he made his message very clear early on to his disciples that he was here for everyone. Whether it's
0: you know the Samaritans, whether it was oh yeah. He healed them. He found the faith of the what was the
1: Praetorian. He didn't even visit because the Praetorian said he wasn't worthy of them for
0: Jesus. But he knew, he knew.
1: Everybody knew he was there, should have been for everyone.
0: Yeah, as much as he was criticized for speaking to folks he should never be speaking to
1: exactly. he Yeah. Was there forever and this is I don't know, it was months or years
0: at this point, I'm not sure how long well, you know, yeah, but I mean everything unfolded over the course of three years obviously So
1: for them to still not get the message and that they're still expecting to come in and just charge out the Romans when in fact I think you know, we have the benefit of hindsight that he's he's going up to the original yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, then God found and followed under, what was it, uh, Adam C all the way down. And then he's got to get that built and rebuilt. I mean, the foundation has to be fixed in order to get to the rest. And you just don't get it. They...
0: No, and, and it was all prophesied. None of the, like, like we said, none of this should have been, it, been a surprise. None of this should have been... Uh, them scratching their heads going, we don't get it. But we talk all the time in here about pride and about selfishness and about greed and all these things. When you get a message that tickles your ear and you like the way it sounds and you can put validity to it, and in this case, you're in a situation where you don't like the Roman rule, the, the general feel of everybody is that the Messiah is going to come and and, and fix all this, it, it's, it, it, it spreads like wildfire. Nobody wants to hear that He's going to come and the result of what we do will be judgment upon us. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that, yes, He's here, um, but He's not here for the reason you think He's here for, and the kingdom is not going to be here on earth, at least... Not at this point. Nobody wants to hear that. They've 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 already got it figured out. And what happens when we think we have it figured out is we tend to overlook something that we should be paying attention to. And also the the first fruits. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the first fruit, Jesus was the first fruit
3: that was raised from the dead. And I knew this was coming. And how it was going to come. They they it just like a lot of people today ignore
0: the gospel. So so what does it mean? What, what we, we and we've said it ten times here this morning. They knew it. They knew it. They knew it. Or they should have known it. They should have known it. So so if you if you know something, or I guess I am going to try to get to is there a difference between us saying they knew it? versus saying they understood it.
3: They didn't understand They didn't understand
1: a lot of things that happened. And you look at the priest and they're supposed to be trained in this, especially the Passover peace.
0: And they ignored something <clears throat> in the past. But <clears throat> we celebrate it. It's just like we do for appraisal whatever. Well look, Satan Satan will, will approach everyone but particularly the particularly those who are in ministry and i firmly believe will will tempt them with the things that they are most susceptible to fall prey to and at this time what the religious leaders were most susceptible to fall prey to was personal gain whether it was financial whether it was political power whatever it may be but it was something that They wanted to be elevated, they wanted to be edified. And so Satan was able to use things like providing a service in the temple. We're going to corrupt that entire process in order to line the pockets of those who are in charge, and that's going to give them more power. That's going to give them this this feeling of, of, wow, look at what we're able to accomplish. And Jesus came to, to try and, and use that as, I, th- I think, as a as a prime example of what's wrong with the entire system. It's corrupt from the top down, and here is one huge example of what's going on. Because we find that in all of the accounts of what takes place on this day, that Jesus cleanses the temple. It says in verse 47, He was teaching daily in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. So he continued on as he taught in the temple after he cleansed it to get more and more and more people stirred up. And that just made them want to destroy him even greater. And so again, it's, it's fulfillment of prophecy. It's leading up to what's about to happen. And it's leading up to the crucifixion that will happen on Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Any other comments or questions? I just wanted us to discuss that this morning and pay attention to what was what was taking place and how God used it to fulfill his purposes um, uh, for the for the crucifixion. Now the people have been through some of this before. there has been a lot of people saying that they were the Messiah. But never went very far. Well. And all of a sudden True. Jesus
1: just keeps going and going and going. They said, well this is it. Never was it. Wasn't. Yep. Never mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, look this one this one keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. This is this this is gonna be the thing and oh my
2: i think when i think part of the people turning on him too was that he i think a lot of them expected that when the pharisees made their move when they arrested him you know that he would stand up that he would show his power he was able to heal all these people and perform all these miracles yeah like the dead and everything i think they thought that when The leaders, whether it's the Pharisees, the Romans, whoever, and and I've seen some accounts where they said, you know, they tried to justify what Judas did because they think that maybe Judas felt that way, you know, that once, once Jesus got to the point where it was do or die, you know, he was going to do, and I I think that you know turned a lot of people on right there, you know, well, he's not who we thought he was he's not going to fight this he's
0: going to get out know. i don't think that they understood that jesus's number one goal was to be obedient to the father that he he wasn't i mean yes he's there for all these other reasons that that we know that 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 salvation will come of what he does but i think the thing that they completely missed was that the the father has a plan and Jesus is here to be obedient to the Father, and everything else is secondary. Everything else. you know, he's, he's going to follow through with exactly what the Father has called him to do. And he's going to do it to the letter. He may pray about it. He may, he may wish that things could go a different direction, but he's going to follow it through to the letter. And they didn't get it they just didn't get it. But we need to get it today. We need to get it today. Um, I'm going to talk about in the message today about uh, the the title of the message this morning is uh, um, even when we don't understand, when we don't understand, pray harder. And um, I hope it makes sense but we need to be smart enough to realize that that we of all of our studying of all of our reading of all of our experiences we will continue to face things on a regular basis that we genuinely don't understand and that's our key that's our that's our our uh, sign if you will to hit our knees and pray harder you know, if, if these folks were, were less concerned about their personal gain, less concerned about their, their, their personal situation, focused more on what the Scriptures taught them, and prayed harder and prayed more, I, I don't know, could the outcome have been different? It's arguably, I guess it's arguable to say that it it would not have been because God had a plan, but yet God knew this; these things were going to happen and used them to accomplish his plan. Had they gone a different direction, he would have used something else, some other method to accomplish his plan. Uh, It it was their decision to take it the way they did. I'm
2: telling you, you brought up the shooting the other day and... I, I did think, of, I think, a little way in which both of the things correlate. We, we as people, we're, whether we're victims or, or we put forth what is our experiences and, and influences that we've had in our life. And a lot of these people, you know, their experiences and the people that, that taught them when they were young, taught them that the Romans were hated, that the Messiah was gonna come and he was going to free them from all of this. They believed this and that was part of their culture. And you know, you talked about the shooter. And I, I gotta say, you know, military for 23 years, you know, protect people. And gotta say, I come down pretty hard on the side of, you know, you you do that sort of thing, you kind of get what you deserve, especially the children. But they convinced that person that whether they convinced or allowed the person themselves to convince themselves that they were something they were not. (laughs) And Satan was (coughs) in the middle of that too. Right in the middle of it. And that not only... Was that person convinced they were something they were not? They were convinced, I believe. I've not read the manifesto, but I've heard it's out there right now. No, I believe it. But I believe they were convinced that these were people who hated that person enough that they tried to keep them from being what they felt, you know, that girl felt that she was a, a male. Yeah, yeah. And these were people to be hated because of that. So,
0: yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with that. And I, and I, and I, and, and I feel the same way that, that look at what you did, you got what you deserved.
2: Um, but thinking about it that way, I, I feel, I do feel a measure of
0: empathy. Empathy, yeah, or, or sympathy. And, and, and I think that when it, you know, when it comes to these situations, there are there are six families who lost loved ones, plus one. You know, she she had a family too, and they're mourning and grieving, and not only the mourning of the loss of their loved one, they're mourning their loved one's actions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's, and those are the things that I feel like even as Christians we have a block. It's hard to see past. The actions of that individual to the real people on the other side of it. And I think that if we are called into, into, into Christian ministry on any level, then we need to consider all of these people and all of their suffering. And we need to be praying for all of them at the same time, the same way that Jesus is weeping about Jerusalem as he's understanding what's, what's taking place and the judgment that is to come. It affects so many. And it breaks his heart. And this should break our hearts. Not to open
1: up a huge discussion, but it's just the same parallel. We have a problem sometimes understanding what Judas scared. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. He made prophecy, he was part of the prophecy that was to be fulfilled. He was a single person that acted.
1: He didn't drive the nails into Jesus, he didn't condemn Jesus to death, he just betrayed him. Right. You know, whether some say he was the epitome of evil. But it's just, we have a hard
0: time grappling with a thought. It's hard to reconcile all that. It is. It is hard to reconcile all that. But it is a uh, it, it is a discussion that we could, you're right, we could open up a big one. You know, one of, yeah. yeah, we could open up a big one. Well, I'm going to wrap things up here at this point. I thank you for the discussion this morning. I thank you all for being here. And... Um, well, I'm going to take a few minutes here before the service starts to look over a few things and try to be ready to to, to do what we need to do moving forward here. So uh, um, let's go ahead and close this morning, if you don't mind. Heavenly Father, thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, just thank you for continuing to be with us, guide us. and um, Lord, we, we, we feel your presence. Uh, Father, we pray for all of those who have been affected by the tragedy that occurred in Nashville this past week. And uh, Lord, we know there are many people in this world who are currently hurting, who are, are seeking attention, who are who are seeking answers to things that that are affecting them in ways that perhaps none of us sitting here this morning can understand. Lord, this morning we want to pray for all, all those folks. We want to pray for what they're going through. We want to pray for the confusion that they feel that you may be their answer to unravel the mysteries, unravel the things that that, that send them in a turmoil. Put their minds at ease. Show them the truth. Put people in front of them who can share your word with them, who can disciple them who can be the shining light that they need to understand that Jesus truly loves them and that Christians are not their enemy, that we truly love them as well. Lord, be with all those who are um, just dealing with the loss of loved ones through this time. Comfort and guide them and help all of us as Christians to be there to minister to them in a way that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray this morning as we depart from this room and enter into the sanctuary that, as always, we ask, Lord, you'll take away the distractions of the previous week. Help us to uh, not think about our work week that is to come, but let us focus on your word. Let us draw nearer and dearer to you through the process of hearing the message and music and the message this morning that's delivered. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
2: Amen.